Well, everybody, welcome to God Squad Church. Maybe this is your first time here, whether you're watching live now, maybe you've uh, maybe you're watching us on YouTube or one of our many other uh, platforms that we're on. I want to welcome each and every one of you. Thank you so much for being here today. I am excited today, guys. I'm excited today because I've actually never preached uh, what I'm going to preach on today, a couple parables. But before we get into that, We've been going through for the past few months, we've been going through the book of Luke. And when Pastor Daylight came to us and he said, hey, I want to do a series on Luke, we all kind of were like, okay. But then he said something that I don't think I've ever been really challenged with by other pastors. I've, I've probably heard it before, but never was really challenged with it. He said, I don't want you to take out what you think you can take out of it or what you feel like you can take out of it. He said, what I want you to do is to really look at what the author, what Luke is actually trying to say. What is Luke trying to convey to his audience? A lot of people would call it the gold nugget, right? Something that is not exactly what the author is trying to convey. Uh, so for an example, it might be, uh, I've used this example before, you have David and Goliath, and there's the, the five stones that he takes up, the five smooth stones, and the first stone he hits Goliath, right? But then you have those preachers that will get up and they'll say, what do the five stones represent? Nowhere in the Bible does it talk about the five stones representing anything, right? That's not what the author is trying to convey. The author is trying to convey something else, and so really what Pastor Daylight challenged us with, he said, don't take out those little golden nuggets. What is the author really trying to talk about when he talks about this in the gospel? What is, what is he trying to say about Jesus? What is he trying to say about these parables? Why did he put these things in there? And so we've been going through Luke for the past few months. We're, we're only in chapter 5, so Luke is actually the longest uh, gospel. It's a very long gospel, but uh, it's a really good one as well. And so uh, today, before we get into all the parables and what, what the story is for today, I want to ask you guys a question because I think um, this is something that we've probably all debated on before in our life. Have you ever played a game before? where they changed the old formula of the game. They changed everything about the game, and you kind of miss the new formula or the old formula that they used to have. So I'll give you a couple examples. Super Mario Brothers is probably the second thing that would come to my mind, but it will be the first example that I use. Super Mario Brothers used to be this side-scrolling platformer. You jump on Goombas, jump on turtles, you jump on flying turtles. For some reason, Bowser keeps putting an axe next to a bridge, so you can. it's a really bad place to put an axe every single time. Put an axe next to a bridge as he's spitting fireballs at you so you can jump over him or run under him and hit this axe to be able to knock him down. It used to be, that's what it was. Then it changed to throwing turnips. We won't talk about that one. But then we get back to the original side-scrolling platformer that we all know and love. But then eventually, the Nintendo 64 came out. Super Mario Brothers 64 came out, and it was all of a sudden this 3D thing. And honestly, a lot of people do love those games. I am one of them myself. I actually love them. Mario Galaxy, Mario Odyssey was really good as well. But a lot of people, they just wanted to go back to the old version of Mario. So what happened? Well, Nintendo heard the cries of the people, and they came out with new Super Mario Brothers Wii and new Super Mario Brothers Wii U, put the tag on it, whatever, and it went back with better graphics, obviously, but to the old side-scrolling platformer, your princess is in another castle, eight, eight worlds that you would go through. It was the old formula because people missed the old formula. People have already put it in the chat, I'm sure. 
The Legend of Zelda, the the first one to come to my mind, right? There's a brand new formula. When Breath of the Wild came out, the old formula, well, get this item and then you can open up this area in the world. Get this item and you can beat this dungeon. You do the dungeons in order. Breath of the Wild came out and you could literally, once you get off the first little platform, the, the, the great plateau after doing four shrines, you can literally run straight to Ganon with a tree branch and try and kill him. Probably won't work. I'm sure somebody has done it. I have not as of yet. But the fact of the matter is they changed everything. You can literally do anything you want in that game. You can go to wherever you want and go to any dungeon that you want. And a lot of people, because I've talked to a lot of people, they said it was a decent game or I didn't like the game. And they say, I just miss the old formula. I wish they would go back to what they used to do. I personally love the game. But there's a lot of people that just miss what was the old formula. And the final thing I'll talk about is remasters and remakes, and there's a million of them out there, so we're going to talk about one specifically. Final Fantasy VII. I can't tell you how many renditions and remasters that this game has had over the years, but it has had several. It's had several ports. It's had all sorts of different things happen. And then obviously you got the big remake that's going to be a trilogy. That's huge. And then we just had another remaster come out that was called Final Fantasy VII Crisis Core Reunion. And this is a game that was out 15 years ago and decided to make Reunion, which is the remaster of the game. And so a lot of people, they say, though, well, I just liked the first version. I miss what they used to have. That was the pinnacle of the series. Some people just like the old better than the new. And I think the reason why is because sometimes we're just, we not necessarily that we don't like change. I don't think we like the process of change. I think a lot of people hate the process. But a lot of times we're just more comfortable with what we already know. We're more comfortable what, with what is what. There's no, there's no unknown to us. We already know everything, and so we're good with that. And in some of these games, there's new mechanics that come in. Breath of the Wild, breaking weapons. I would be a millionaire right now if everybody in my chat that said, "I love this game," except that my weapons break. I'm going to argue this point for 0.5 seconds. Well, it would be a little bit more than that. If your weapons didn't break, game would be too easy. Done argument. But a lot of people in these new games, weapons break, the combat is different. I don't necessarily like how the world looks now. They changed everything. The new music, it's not the old music. There's no nostalgia to it. So I don't like the new stuff. I miss the old stuff. But I also think that people walk into things with a closed mind. They walk into new things with a closed mind and they have this mindset, well, if it's not broken, why, why try to fix it? You can't fix what's not broke, right? right? And so people have that mindset. But what we're going to take a look at in the Bible today is there was a system that needed to be changed. There was a system that was broken, but there were those people that were so established in that system, in that old system, that a new type of people needed to be called. Something needed to change to allow this new system that was coming in to take place. And so the first thing that we're going to talk about is the old, right? 
I didn't tell you the name of my the title of my sermon. I'll put that out there. It's called New is Better. Where do, let's just throw that up there. I'm, I know I'm screwing up, you know, a person behind a computer, computer right now. But New is Better because the new is better. And obviously, you're probably thinking right now, yeah, the new is better. Why would I want something old? But I just gave you a few different things of why you would want the old. It's comfortable. It's something that you know. No. So we'll talk about the old first. I'm going to give you guys a little bit of a history lesson as we go through Luke and what Luke is trying to convey here. So let me give you guys a little bit of review of last week's sermon, kind of what happened as Pastor A.J. Valdez was uh, preaching. Uh, so Jesus walks by this ta- tax booth. He sees this tax collector. His name is Levi. You might know him better as Matthew. He wrote the first gospel of the New Testament. And he says to Levi, he says, come and follow me. Well, Levi, he gets up. He makes a decision to leave his job. He doesn't probably know why. There's something about this guy that he just wants to follow him. And so he leaves his job. He leaves being a tax collector. And he leaves, he leaves that all behind, and he goes and follows Jesus. Levi then holds a banquet at his house, and he invites all of his friends. Well, all of his friends are all tax collectors. And he invites Jesus. The Pharisees. They come on to the scene. Now, wherever Jesus is, the Pharisees are there because they're always trying to catch him in the wrong. They're always trying to trick him in some way. And so the Pharisees see him at the table sitting with tax collectors. Now, in the New Testament, tax collectors are synonymous with the sinners because they would take a little bit more than they were supposed to take from the people, and they would pocket it for themselves, and then they would give to taxes to where that was supposed to go. Everybody knew this. Everybody that was taxed knew this, and so they hated the tax collectors. So the Pharisees, they're looking through the window, and they, they, they're, they're asking questions to Jesus, and they ask Jesus this question, why are you eating with these tax collectors? Why are you reclining at the table with them? And Jesus answers them that, well, healthy people don't need a doctor. The sick do. And he says, I haven't called to come the righteous. I haven't come to call you. I've come to call sinners to repentance, something completely different, something that's completely out of the Pharisees' territory. They don't even probably understand what he was talking about at this point. But that leads us to our passage today. And so we're going to start in Luke chapter 5, and we're going to go through verse 33 first. And it says this, Then they said to him, this is the Pharisees, John's disciples, your cousin, your relative, his disciples, they fast often and say prayers. And those of the Pharisees, us, we do the same. But yours, Jesus, yours, your disciples, they eat and drink. Knowing that Jesus has already beaten them with one question, they move to the next question and try to catch him in the wrong. Why do your disciples not fast like we do? Why are your disciples not as holy as we are? If you say you're something great, why are they not as holy as John's disciples. You see, the Pharisees would fast very frequently. They would fast twice every single week. Every single Monday and Thursday, they would fast from 6 a.m. in the morning until 6 p.m. at night. The problem was, though, they were fasting with all of the wrong intentions. They weren't doing it for spiritual health. They weren't doing it to have God move in their lives. They were doing it to impress other people. They were doing it to impress God, like they could impress the God that made the entire universe by opening his mouth. They were trying to impress, and that was what was always done. 
It was by your performance. It was always the performance of what you did. And what the Pharisees, they didn't realize is they were clean on the outside. They were all holy on the inside, but their heart was so far away from God. The inside was what Jesus was looking at. He could see right through them. He didn't want to see them doing the right things. He wanted to see them feeling the right things, doing it for the right intentions. Have you ever been in a situation where you had the option of doing something new, but it was a little bit uncomfortable or you had to work a little bit harder, and so instead you went with something that you already knew instead? Or maybe it was, you know, it was something that was a little more comfortable that you went with instead of what you were, you were asked to do. I know that I've done this before, and I'll get in that in a second, but maybe you're not a Christian. Maybe you've never accepted Jesus Christ in your entire life, but you've heard of Jesus. You've heard that he came to this world. You heard that he died on the cross. You heard that he came to save you. But you also heard of all the do's and the don'ts of the Bible, which really isn't what the gospel is all about. But just, just for this, I think a lot of people, they say, well, I've heard about the do's and the don'ts. I understand that my lifestyle would change to this. But honestly, it's a lot easier to just continue doing what I'm doing right now. And so maybe there's some of you in the chat right now who's never accepted Jesus Christ and you've had that thought in your mind like, I don't want to change what I've already been doing. The new doesn't sound easy. It doesn't sound fun. So I'm just going to continue going down my own path, my own way. I'm going to keep doing things this way, the old, because it's easy. It's more comfortable for me. Or maybe you have accepted Jesus Christ in your life. But God had called you to do something. But then after a little while, you started realizing the sacrifice, the time, the effort, the, the, the finances that you would have to actually go through to be able to make this thing happen. And you say, well, you know what? It would be a little bit easier for me to do this. And so instead of doing what God actually called you to do, you do something a little bit more comfortable in your life. Like I said, I've been there and I've done this before. I remember when I was in high school, listen, I was in high school and I had a, a college come to my school. Now, junior and senior year is supposed to be studying up on all the colleges that you're supposed to be going to. Look at all their majors. I'm going to decide for the rest of my life what I'm going to do. Like at 16 and 17 years, years old, you're supposed to make this life-changing decision, okay? It's a stressful time of life, I remember. But for me... I had a college come to my high school. They were like 20, 30 minutes away from my house. They came to my high school. They interviewed me, and they said, you know what? You write this short letter, and you're accepted into this college. I didn't even have to apply. <laughs> so you know what I did? I wrote up that letter. I sent it in. I got my acceptance letter. I knew I was getting accepted to college. I didn't do any studying. I didn't look at any of their majors. I, I just I knew about the school. I knew it was a pretty good school, and I was like, you know what? I'll go to this one. What I should have did was I should have looked at all sorts of different colleges. I should have been looking at the majors. I should have been looking at, this is what God called me to do. And I should have went to the school that he was telling me to go to, if I was even listening at that point. But I wasn't. I went with something that was easier for me. Now, I'm not saying that wasn't God's plan for my life. 
right? I, 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 you know, I, I already knew my wife, but I met her and, and started dating her while I was in college. And so maybe that would have been a little bit different. So I know that this was God's plan and I'm blessed by that. But the fact of the matter is when I got to my second semester of sophomore year, I got an email from the college that said, you're going to be kicked out of college if you don't choose a major. So for the very first time, I went in to look at all of the majors in the college, which I should have done years before. And I realized I didn't like any of them. There was one that I could tolerate. And so I decided to get my, my, uh, my degree in that one thing. I got my bachelor's degree in uh, sociology. I could tolerate it, but I didn't necessarily like it. And it kind of set me back a little bit in what I should have been doing in my life by many years, by probably about 10 years or so, because I decided to make a different decision in the beginning that was a little bit more comfortable rather than going with something that would have been a little bit more difficult, would have made me step out of my comfort zone a little bit, but it would have also helped me to follow what God was calling me to do much quicker and much easier than the decision that I made in the first place. This was the mindset of the Pharisees. You see, the old covenant, the Mosaic law, this is what they knew. They only knew what was old. It wasn't about grace and mercy from God. It wasn't that there was somebody that was going to come that was going to save them and give them salvation. It was about something completely different. It was about their performance in front of others. It was about impressing God. It was about impressing people, and this is what would get them into heaven. There was no other way of thinking. This is what the scribes, the religious leaders, and the Pharisees, this is what they knew. And there was no way they were going to change that because they didn't want to see change from this. So the Pharisees were set and established in their ways. And so Jesus came and he says, I'm not calling the Pharisees. I'm not calling the scribes. I'm not calling the religious leaders. I need to call something new because you're so established in your ways that I need somebody that's going to be willing to do something different. So what did Jesus do? He called fishermen. He called tax collectors. He called zealots. He called the sinners to carry this new thing that he was bringing. Because there were many who were completely against the change that he was bringing into the world at this point. And so now, now we're going to talk about the new the new things, the good things that Jesus is bringing, right? Jesus at this point, he's going to take some time to teach everyone in the room. Remember, they just asked him a question. They just asked him the question of, well, if John's disciples eat and drink, or if they fast, if we fast, why are your disciples not fasting? And so remember this, the audience here is the Pharisees and the tax collectors, and Jesus is going to talk to both of them. So Jesus said to them in Luke chapter 5, verses 34 through 39, you can't make the wedding guests fast while the groom is with them, can you? But the time will come when the groom will be taken away from them. Then they will fast in those days. He's saying at the wedding, at the feast, you, it, when you're celebrating, you're not going to be fasting during that time. You're going to be eating. But when all of that is over and the groom is gone, they will fast in those days. Verse 36, he also told them a parable. No one tears a patch from a new garment and puts it on an old garment. Otherwise, not only will he tear the new, but also the piece from the new garment will not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins. It will spill and the skins will be ruined. No, new wine is put into 
fresh wineskins. And no one after drinking, listen to this, no one after drinking old wine wants new because he says the old is better. Just like I was talking about with the games before, the old formula, the old parts of the game is better. You see, Jesus here is demonstrating that old things and new things, they're not able to really just link together exactly like the Pharisees thought they could. If you have an old garment, I'm going to go through the parables. If you have an old garment that rips and so you rip up a new garment to patch up the old, well, the first problem is you've ripped up the new garment and you can't actually use that anymore. So now you have a new garment that's completely ripped. The other thing is the fabric doesn't match the old garment. And not only that, if you have new fabric on old fabric, the new fabric still needs to shrink. And when it starts shrinking, it's actually going to tear an even larger hole in the hole that you're trying to patch up in the beginning. Then he talks about wineskins. With wineskins, wine takes time to ferment, right? If you don't know about wine, it takes time to ferment. And while it's fermenting, it actually expands. And so back then, they used to keep wine in wineskins, essentially. And what it was, was the old wineskins, they were already used. And so if you put new wine into old wineskins, what would happen? After over time, the wine would expand. The old wineskin would expand, but it's already expanded too much. And it would rip, it would burst, it would tear, and the wine would spill out. So what do you have to do? You have to take new wine and put that into the new wineskin, something new into something new, so that while it expands, it won't rip, it won't tear. It can hold what it is actually holding. So what does this represent? The old garment and the old wineskin, this is the scribes. This is the Pharisees. This is the religious leaders. You see, they wanted the old wine. This is what they were established in. They were established in their old ways. They wanted what was old because they kept saying, well, the old is better. But Jesus, he brought something new. And knowing that the Pharisees were going to not be able to hold what he was bringing because they were so set in their old ways, he decided that who's going to hold the grace and the mercy and the salvation? Who's going to bring that? Well, that's going to be the people that I call. That's going to be the fishermen. That's going to be the sinners. That's going to be the, the tax collectors because they don't know what the old is. They only know what I'm going to bring them. They're going to be the new wine skin. They're going to be the new garment. Jesus came not to abolish the law. He came to fulfill it. But the Pharisees, they were unable to accept this. Once again, they wanted the old wine stating that the old is better. Our performance and our trying to do what we're doing, it's better than what you're bringing, Jesus. It's better than the grace and mercy that you're saying you're going to bring to us. But the new system that Jesus was bringing, the new is better. The new is just a better way. And so that was a long history point, right? A long story of history. And you might be asking yourself at this point, that is awesome. But what does that have to do with me? 
It has everything to do with you. You are the new wineskin. You are the new garment. You are the one that God is calling. You're the one that he gave the spiritual gifts of knowledge, of wisdom, of teaching, of preaching, of evangelism, evangelism, faith, giving, administration, exhortation, discernment. He gave you all of these things. He has called you to go in and discover what your purpose is so that you can make a difference in the world. But here's the dilemma. Are you willing to do it? Are you willing to take up the challenge of Jesus calling you to do something brand new? Something that might be a little bit outside of your comfort zone. Something that you've never done before. You see, I truly believe that what Luke is trying to convey here to the audience is that Jesus is calling you and me to tell others about the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. You are the one that Jesus said, you're going to take up the mantle. I'm not calling the people with higher status. I'm not calling the people with more money. I'm not calling the most qualified people. I'm not calling the person with the most awards. I'm not calling the person with the highest or most titles or the person that has the highest status. I'm calling you to take the mantle. I'm calling you to take up something brand new to hold it and to tell others about me so that you can make a difference in the entire world so that you can make a difference in your community so that you can make a difference with the gamers here on twitch with gamers here all over the internet i've called you to do it once again here's the question though are you willing to do this and take up that challenge Are you willing to discover your purpose? Because I know there's a lot of people out there. There's a lot of people that aren't necessarily willing to discover what their purpose is. They might even be willing to serve, but I know a lot of people out there that would like to serve in a specific area, but they haven't even discovered what their talent is. They haven't discovered what their gift is that God has given them. Are you willing to discover and truly sit down with God? Take time with God to discover what is that talent? What... Each and every one of you has a purpose. I don't care who you are. I don't care what baggage you carry. I don't care about things that that have happened in your life. You have a purpose that God has given you. And then finally, once you finally discover what that purpose is, are you willing to make a difference in the world? Are you willing to step out in boldness, step out of your comfort zone, maybe going into the unknown? going into something that you don't know how this is going to go so that you can make a difference somewhere. Some of you might be saying, though, or here, that haven't ever accepted Jesus Christ into your life. You, Like I said, you've heard about him maybe, but you haven't accepted him as your Lord and Savior. And you're probably saying, this doesn't really have to do with me. It really does, though. It has so much to do with you. You see, just like Jesus was reclining at the table with the tax collectors and the sinners, and he called the sinners to repentance, he's calling you to repentance as well. Like I said, Jesus didn't just come to call those people that were smart. He didn't come to call the people that knew the old scriptures that were well-versed in what the Bible was that they had in the Old Testament. He didn't come to call those people that knew exactly what the Mosaic Law was. 
he came to call all the people that actually didn't know most of that stuff because he knew that those were the people that he needed. And he's calling you as well. And like it says in these verses, he calls sinners to repentance. And what is repentance? It's literally the changing of your mind. I used to be this way. I used to do these things and choose these things, but my mindset now is going to something completely different. This is the way that I'm going now. This is where I'm going to go at this point in my life. And so what I want you to understand here is that Jesus came for you specifically. He loves each and every one of you. Like I said before, no matter what baggage you carry, no matter the things that you've done in your life, Jesus came and lived a complete, perfect, pure life and died on the cross so that one day you would have the power of resurrection just like Jesus had resurrection from the dead three days later. So that one day, if, if you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you grab onto him, that you will be able to live for all of eternity. Listen, there is a real heaven, and I'm going to be really real with you. There is a real hell. Those people that accept Jesus Christ, they go to heaven. Those people that do not accept Jesus, they go to hell. That's the real fact of it. And I'm not trying to scare you or anything like that, but that is a real fact. And so a lot of people have said to me, well, that doesn't make sense. If God loves everyone, he wouldn't send people to hell. I don't believe that God sends people to hell. I believe that people choose to go to hell. You know, God gave us a way to be able to get to heaven. He has outstretched his hand with Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior to grab you and pull you in. I've said this before, but if somebody was out in the middle of the ocean drowning and somebody comes out on a boat and they reach out their hand and the person says, nope, I'm not taking it. Well, what's going to happen if you don't know how to swim? You're, you're going to drown. That's the, that's the fact of the matter. You chose not to grab a hold of the man's hand or the woman's hand that was trying to save you and pull you into the boat. You chose to drown. God is doing the same thing. He is reaching out with Jesus Christ that through Jesus, you might be saved from hell. He will pull you into the boat. He will pull you into his family. He has adopted us as his children. He has adopted me as his son. He's adopted some of you as his sons and daughters. And so I'm telling you right now, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ, this is where you'll find fulfillment. This is where you'll, where you'll find life. This is where you're going to find joy. It's only through Jesus Christ that you can find hope in this world. You can look for hope anywhere else. You can look for it on the internet. You can look for it in video games. You can look for it at the bottom of a bottle. You can look at it for it through all sorts of different areas, but you will never find fulfillment. No amount of money, no amount of power, no amount of any of that is going to give you fulfillment. Only Jesus Christ can bring that fulfillment and hope into your life. That's it. Some people have been trying to fill this hole in their heart with so many different things in their life, but nothing will fill that hole because it's all temporary. Jesus is eternal. God is, it's a God-shaped hole that you're trying to fill with something else, but you can only fill it with Jesus Christ. 
And so I want to give you an opportunity right now. If you don't, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ into your life, I want to give you an opportunity to accept him into your life. Or maybe you feel like right now, hey, I've accepted Jesus before, but I've been going kind of my own direction. I've been going my own way. And you want to rededicate your life to him. I want to give you that opportunity as well. So if you want to accept Jesus Christ into your life for the first time, or if you want to rededicate your life to Jesus today, what I would ask you to do is to repeat this after me. Dear God, I come before you right now. I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe that he died on the cross. And I believe that he rose from the dead. And today, I accept your mercy, your grace, and your salvation. I commit my life to you. And Jesus, I ask you to come live inside of me. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. All right, let's celebrate. If anyone here has just chosen to follow Jesus for the first time, we want to celebrate you, whether that's live right now, whether that's later on YouTube, it's the best decision you could ever make in your entire life. So we are so, so excited that you chose to do this and we would love to help walk you along in your journey. I mean, you're getting to know God who is like, okay, like, how do I do this? That totally makes sense that that would be a question. And we would love to help you with that next chapter of your life. So if you want to go ahead and put exclamation point connect in the chat, that way you can fill out a form, fill out as much as you want. You don't have to fill out everything. And then we can reach out to you and help you in this new chapter of your life. Cause we would love to love to be able to do that. Um, we can help walk you through the Bible, tell you where to start. We can get you connected to the church in some of the ways that we build community. Um, you can keep coming back to service every single week to learn more about God. There's tons of resources out there, so we would love to be able to help you with that for sure. So yes, congratulations. So excited for you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And if anyone is new here, um, whether you chose to believe in Jesus or not, we also would love to connect with you. So that connect form is for you as well to fill out so that we can help answer any questions you might have about the church or our community. We are here on Twitch and Discord. So yes, we, we would love to hang out with you. Um, so thank you, Pastor Boz, for that amazing message. I'm so glad you were challenged by daylight to to just read the Bible, see what they're trying to say, and then you got to preach on something you've never preached about before. So that was really exciting to see. Um, and yeah, thank you so much for being willing to step out of your comfort zone and take the call God had for your life and preach that public speak in front of people. Um, so that we can we can get to know God and grow together. So thank you, thank you so much, Boz, for that. Um, another thing I would like to tell you guys is we could not do this without your generous gifts. And boy, oh boy, we have had the generous gifts lately. Um, with Waymaker Week, it was so exciting. So we thank you, thank you so much 
um, for all the generous gifts that you have given because without you guys and donating to this nonprofit church, we wouldn't be able to do it. So we thank you for giving to that. Um, and so if you are inspired to give to this cause, we would really appreciate that. You are able to, you can do one-time gifts or you can do recurring gifts where you can set up monthly payments, which is awesome for us to continue to pay staff and know that things are coming in. So if you would love to do that, we have many safe and secure ways to do that. You can either put exclamation point give in the chat. You can go below this panel on Twitch and click the panel below. You can go to our website, godsquadchurch.com, or if you are in the United States, you can text the amount that you would like to give to the number 84321. Again, 84321. Um, and we are, like I said, so incredibly grateful for your gifts. We believe that giving is a form of worship where we say, okay, God, you have blessed me with these funds. What can I give back to you? Take it, use it however you see fit to reach people for the gospel, to encourage fellow believers together. Whatever it may be, God, we, we give this to you because this money is not my money. It is your money, God. So yeah, we see that as another form of...